Hello out there. Welcome to our live stream show called From Clue to Close, Optimizing the Sales Funnel. You're going to get a, a lot out of this presentation today. It's a panel discussion with me and uh, some great thought leaders that um, we all focus on optimizing the sales funnel from click to close, top to bottom. And we're focusing on tech firms, but really, if you're not a tech firm, it could apply to you as well. So what I want to do is um, introduce myself, and then we'll go around Hollywood Squares and introduce everybody else. I'm Paul Mosenson. I'm a fractional CMO, founder of New Spark Consulting and New Spark Marketing. I focus on top of the funnel lead generation and digital marketing strategy, and all the way from you know creating content to optimizing websites, to conversion optimization, all the way through building email funnels and things like that so that we can build quality leads and give them off to everybody else on this call to close them. So that's what I focus on and we'll get more involved with that, but that's what I do. And next I wanna introduce uh, Bill Dillon. Hi, I'm Bill Dillon. I'm with eLead Corp. I uh, consult with small to mid-sized technology companies uh, about appointment setting. Uh, I've done work for uh, um, channel partners from Microsoft for Avaya, uh, Mitel. Um, I've worked with Dell um, to help uh, train their folks on appointment setting, uh, Nortel as well when they were around. Um, so I've got uh, about three decades of experience uh, working with inside and outside sales teams and uh, helping them to develop pipelines and set appointments. Great. Tim? Uh, Tim Dodd, uh, a bit of the odd duck in the group. I started out as a programmer and then either uh, was not good at uh, writing code or too social. So I got in sales, uh, primarily have been doing fractional sales reps for uh, cloud companies. So if you can't afford a full-time sales rep, um, I can come in, uh, or if you're just looking for sales qualified leads, and I mostly focus on using LinkedIn and social selling as the, the initial channel, uh, but also using email and cold calling and some of the other tactics uh, that the other guys use as well. Okay, John? Yes, uh, good afternoon, everyone. John Reed, I am with uh, Pinnacle Consulting, Manager, Managing Director. Uh, I provide fractional CRO, VP of sales services to small to medium-sized companies. Been in sales leadership for 25, 30 years plus, uh, ranging from startups to you know, large multi-billion dollar companies. And uh, services I provide help, uh, help those target companies with everything from being the VP of sales on a fractional basis, uh, helping with uh, organizational issues, uh, leading the team to uh, analyzing the infrastructure to support the sales activities, to helping with you know, things like uh, uh, incentive programs and hiring and, and, uh, and, and leading the team. So welcome everybody, looking forward to a healthy dis discussion. Great, great. Yeah, we're gonna be interactive here. Just a little bit of housekeeping in the beginning is um, I hope everybody sees a comment box to the right. Um, as we go through this, um, feel free to write comments or questions, but we're gonna answer those questions at the end of our presentation because we're being recorded. And uh, so I appreciate that. And uh, we'll play by ear. And other than that though, um, you know, we try to, you know, teach you guys something and give some insights. That's our goal, right? 
So what I want to do is get started here with, you know, we all have um, things we're going to talk about through the funnel and how to optimize that. Now, like I said, I focus on lead magnets. And when you think about what a lead magnet is, you know, it's a, um, it's a white paper, it's a webinar, it's a quiz, newsletter, something where we're um, attracting people with clues. And that's really the whole idea of, you know, driving clues to your website. And a clue is basically, there's something going on at a company a trigger event that's making them um, be attracted to our emails, our ads, um, social comments, where there's something that they're learning and they're saying, you know, maybe we need to look at this further, right? And that's what a lead magnet is. It's basically, it's a topic that solves a business problem. You know, and, you know if you, you know, if you do, you know, utilize the right targeting and the right channels, you know, there's a lot of testing you can do with it, but you build them. And that's the whole idea of marketing anyway, um, is to encourage people to pay attention to a message because they have pain. And those companies that have pain will um, give up their email address for these lead magnets, white papers, ebooks, things like that. And we've seen them. We've probably all done them on this call, right? Um, and that's really what we focus on. It's kind of like what we call, you know, intent marketing. You probably heard that word before. Um, you know, where there's, um, you know, you've seen like there's different platforms like Bombora and other things like that where they're targeting intent. And there's also tools that um, you can add to a website where they track people coming to your website and reverse engineer and find those contacts. There's lots of ways to uh, target intent. You know, we're here, we're focusing on the lead magnet through the funnel um, because uh, I know salespeople do love to, as you know, John, is to engage with people who already have that problem. It takes some of the qualification out of the way, right? Versus going cold. But, um, but that's what we're focusing on here is the, uh, the, the clue part of it. And um, I don't know if anybody has any follow-up on that as far as our panel goes um, and their experience with this, but um, fire away. Yeah, so for anyone that's using you know, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, there is an intent field in there. So you can see primarily for software, right? So like in my case, maybe I'm looking at companies that are looking at lead generation software. Um, but if you're looking for more services based, uh, there's tools like Apollo, um, Seamless, um, you know, all those types of tools that will allow you to get insights. So if someone's looking for software development services, um, you can get that intent from that, from that data. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Bill, you can uh, chime in here, but um, sure. when we talk about, okay, we have a lead magnet, how do we market it, right? We just talked about, you know, there's really, you know, we'll get to Bill's section in a second, but we talk about, I call it like the three pillars of lead generation. You know, it works for tech, it works for any companies, really. I mean, the big picture, okay, you have search engines, SEO, and right. but, you know, when you have lead magnets, you know, they're not necessarily looking for um, the company yet, but they might be looking for a solution on their own. And the white papers and guides can attract people. But, you know, but when you talk about inbound, we mentioned that that's social advertising, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, you know, sure. rated out, you know, and all these different channels, even, you know, trade publications and things like that. We've seen a lot of publications there. But then we go to the outbound part of it too. You know, I know that, you know, outbound can be somewhat, I guess, controversial, whether we should do it or not, because I know there's a setup. But Bill, what I mean, what do you think? I mean, we always talk about, you know, at least, if you do get a cold list and you promote you know, a lead magnet, at least that's another way of at least grabbing names with some intent, right? What are your thoughts? Sure, sure. Um, but you've got a couple of issues to, to begin with. One, um, getting good 
data today is is really difficult. You know, in a normal environment, um, contact data degrades at 38.6% a year. So every 100 contacts you, you get, 40 of them are going to change. You know, and typically when we would start with a client, we would go in and the first thing we do is identify the right people. The better the data, uh, the better the results. Um, in today's environment, um, you know, we don't know. I mean, I spoke to a marketing company who just bought uh, some data and 40% of the information was accurate. Um, you know, so so maintaining that data is something that's very difficult. Uh, um, getting the email addresses for contacts. And like you said, once you've got that that intent data, um, then doing the outreach to them. But just because, um, you know, they've expressed an interest doesn't mean that you're going to be able to get them on the phone right away. And the thing about calling is there is a consistency to it, you know, for X number of dials, you get X number of upon uh, your marketplace. And then for X number of reaches, you're going to get a certain number of uh, um, first time appointments um, from that or um, some pipeline opportunities, some people that that do uh, actually, um, you know, express an interest and want some kind of follow up act activity in the future. And that's the thing that's really difficult today is, uh, um, you know, uh, developing those metrics for a specific company or offering. And then also building and maintaining that contact database because you've, you've got to maintain it yourself. You know, emails could still be active, uh, and uh, but uh, or maybe they're not getting to the right person. You know, a lot of times we'll get a hold of somebody and find out that they're they don't handle that. They used to handle it, don't uh, anymore. Um, and even with uh, um, you know voicemails, a lot of times are just kind of dormant and left active. So you don't really know until you actually get on the phone and engage with somebody. I mean, we've set appointments on a Friday and Monday, that person's not there any longer. So yeah, it's a, it's well, a challenge, especially for large data providers. It's a real challenge um, to keep good contact information. So companies really need to build that database and maintain it themselves and make sure that they're, um, you know, that they're targeting the right person. And then also, you know, once you do get somebody on the phone you know, to find out, you know, exactly what they're looking for, why they're looking for it. Um, you know, and then develop some kind of, as I said, follow-up activity from that. But from a best practice, though, it's a good point. Um, when we talk about, like, lead magnets and the clues, there's two scenarios here. We, I mean, mm -hmm. one thing is promoting the lead magnet in the first place, which mm -hmm. is an outbound strategy, and that's where you put in your ICPs and all the targeting and, and then your verified emails and cross your fingers that someone downloads and engages, right? And then... Mm -hmm. But, you know, when that happens, though, the other scenario is what we call, I guess, you, you know, the term like telenurture, right, which is mm -hmm. um, part of a sequence that you guys manage where maybe through other channels, not just cold, but everything, uh, uh, an email comes in from a, a download, right, from a lead magnet. But you still need to engage them, right, with right. You know, this cadence of further emails and follow ups. And they know that's going to happen, right, when I download it said, yeah, I'm going to get I know I'm going to get followed up on. But I have the business problem. And that's where the importance of the topic and really building the trust, right? Exactly. You know, and, and you're not going to find that out until you actually get on the phone with them. You know, were they were they tasked with, you know, finding out information about this? Is something they're genuinely interested in or just looking? Um, and once again, until you get the opportunity to speak to that individual, it's really difficult to find out exactly what's going on, if there's a legitimate interest. Well, but it's I a good would, place I would, to start. I would, I would think also, Bill, that... Um, whether that first contact uh, to try to qualify the first contact, whether it's coming from inbound or outbound is a, a real decision maker. Typically they're, you know, information gatherers or whatever, if they've, if they've demonstrated intent 
or interest in your company or your products, uh, trying to triangulate who in the company, you know, is really the economic or decision makers, uh, your uh, vetting of the database is critically important. And that's where that's where your services can come in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and sometimes you do need a champion to get to the right person within the organization, you know, and sometimes they are the ones that, um, you know, uh, I remember uh, sitting in the meeting with the CEO of a, of a business and he, they had struggled before with appointment setting. And he says, you know, we only want to meet with decision makers. I said, well, it took me three, three meetings with people below you to get to this point. Right. You know, we closed, closed the business with them, but, but, you know, um, you're not always going to get to that person, you know, right out of the box, but, but identifying, you know, what the process is and, and, you know, who the people involved in the decision-making process is, you know, part of the, the initial kind of discovery that you're going to be doing. Yeah. The other interesting thing with like LinkedIn is you can sell to all of those influencers, the end users, the people, a couple you know, layers down from your ideal customer profile, your decision-maker. So you know, using social media, it's a lot easier. You know, when I first started sales, you know, there's a book called Selling to Vito, very important top officer, right? So it's always important to start at the top, but I think there's a lot of strategies around social selling that you can build that groundswell up to help you uh, get in front of the decision maker and you can collect a lot of intel, a lot of insights on what's valuable to that person, what's valuable to the team uh, to be able to position yourself in the best light when you do get that meeting uh, with the decision maker. Well, the question though, or the point though, is we're going back to the lead magnet. Somebody downloaded it, you know, title, maybe it's a C-level, maybe it's not, right? If it's a, you know, a manager of um, IT, right? And you're trying to target another title like the CIO, right? Well, you know, that's a person, you know, at least we know that there's a, an issue with the company, right? Now you want to engage with this person who downloaded, but also like you said is, try to, you know, if you have a really good solution to get his bosses involved, right? Because, you know, it, you know, many of these companies have multiple stakeholders making decisions. That's why it takes so long, you know, including the CFO, right? So, but that's part of the sales process. Right. And that handoff also uh, is important. It varies from company to company, right? So you've got activity, let's call it, that's occurring in, a, in the digital uh, digital world, whether it's LinkedIn or just on the websites, et cetera, you know, who in the company should be uh, handling those inputs from lead magnets? You know, typically it's, you know, marketing or business development, uh, but it varies from company to company on what metrics uh, trigger that being handed off to sales, for example. Um, you know, each company might want to do that a little bit quicker than any other given company just to try to optimize the, the, the resources and the cost of the resources to qualify opportunities. But, you know, the, the, the opportunities should be continuously uh, qualified from, you know, first engagement through to handing off the sales and continuing through the sales process to you know, ultimately ideally closure. And then follow up after after you, you close the deal for follow on business. Um. Well, you know, circling back, um, you know, to this process, you know, I'm gonna, you know, we got a a question on our chat, and we'll just cover that a little bit. You know, we're talking about the clue here, right? And you know, and 
there could be a message where what if the company doesn't realize they have a problem? Well, that's a little harder to do, right? Because that's where constant, you know, education comes in, I think, with content, right? And, um, you know, building trust because, um, you know, what do a lot of companies buy things for anyway, especially in tech? You know, you got you can make a list more efficient, save money, you know, more features, you know, I mean, that's all, you know, in anything in marketing, we're trying to, you know, overcome complacency, right? And, um, and get people to make a decision faster. That's the sell game, but building trust, right? But, um, you know, there's all these different, you know, scenarios about, you know, how to how to do that the right way. And, um, you, you know, again, the clues at least tell you that there's something going on and it makes it, um, you know, a more efficient sales process than pure cold, obviously, um, because it does take a while. But any thoughts? So, yeah. So sometimes, you know, clients might not even know there, you know, there's a challenge or they might not even see the opportunity that you're you know, your service, your product is going to add value, right? So there's a couple techniques that I've used, like the challenger sale, where you're producing meaningful content that is driving awareness, getting them to think about the problem differently, right? And you can do this with lead magnets. You can do this on social media posting. You can do it on newsletters. There's a variety of ways, but you really just want to educate your potential prospect that there's a different way, there's a better way to do it and get them to the point where they see that there's a solution, right? Collaboratively work with them. And then once you all agree collectively on the solution, uh, then obviously you want to position yourself to be that person to implement uh, that solution. Well, I think um, just in, in looking at the question that's on the comments, uh, one one element that you know, we haven't spent too much time on, and that is uh, coming to the conversation with an informed point of view, uh, you know, certainly lead magnets and, you know, doing, uh, response to incoming interest and inquiries is, is critically important, but there's also the element of uh, establishing yourself as a thought leader, as a company and as a person, as a salesperson. Um, and, and that's part of uh, developing a relationship and developing your, I'll say, status as a value-added uh, uh, partner in that dialogue between yourself and a potential client. So if you come to the conversation with a knowledge base that you can demonstrate that you know what's going on in the industry, you know where the trends are, that you've got some ideas that might be in alignment or you know, ideally maybe a little different to ask them to think differently about solving their problems to, to Tim's point, that creates an environment where you're establishing yourself as more than just somebody coming to the conversation with a credit card and buying them lunch. You're coming to the conversation with uh, some ideas that establish a trusted advisor relationship quicker. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of ways in which to do that. Challenger is one. Uh, but, you know, having that knowledge base uh, in your arsenal as a vendor or as a supplier, certainly a partner, you want to come to that conversation with uh, an, an informed point of view so you can start the conversation. You know, the days of sellers coming in and saying, so what's keeping you up at night? You know, those days are kind of gone. Um, customers expect you to understand what problems they're experiencing and, and come with solutions. And the more that you can come with a solution that has a unique perspective and, and you can provide that, the more you're going to be able to position yourself as a, uh, as a trusted advisor, somebody they're going to trust and respect their opinion. 
you know, it's a good point, but to, to, to your point about trust advisor, right? You think about, you know, why marketing and sales always needs to align, why we're all here together, right? Mm -hmm. You think about it, right? You know, marketing, let's use that word in quotes, right? Is delivering content that creates demand of a product or solution. We're not talking to anybody anyway, right? You know, we have to build trust through um, not just the lead magnet, how it's done, but also the follow-up, you know, information, right? Emails, building trust. We all need case studies, right? We all need results, right? That's part of the trust factor, even before we talk to sales, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. afterward, you know, when CFOs and CEOs need to get validation that the company that they're buying for is good, right? So you think about how that all works together, right? You know, in, in the um, in the trust building, because, you know, if I'm a prospect, I'm going to, um, you know, give up an email address for a magnet or whatever it is. Part of that is, you know, seeing those testimonials and case studies and logos. And it's just validation that this company knows their stuff. And I even wanted to bring up the blog topic, not that it's a, a big thing. You know, you talk about SEO. Should we do blogs? Should we not do blogs? You know what blogs do for everybody? A, um, it builds trust, but in a point of view that you have, that the company knows stuff, right? And B, you can use some of that content for, um, you know, ongoing messaging after the lead magnet is, you know, downloaded. So there's a lot of factors there because, again, you know, I'm only going to do business with a company that I trust, right? Yeah. So I'll, and that's through the whole sales funnel we're talking about from top to bottom, you know, and and that's so you, uh, sorry go ahead no i'm done that, that's that, that's a critical point that um sometimes gets lost is that the continuum between uh, you know let's call it marketing and sales needs to be very cohesive and in many cases it's not uh but if marketing is doing its job and creating content and analyzing the market dynamics and coming up with uh you know whatever whatever vehicle or channel is best suited for their icp uh, ideal customer profile, then sales needs to make sure that they understand the content and can can continue that conversation in a formidable way. If there's a drop off of of understanding of what the issues are from marketing to sales, you know that's that's going to be a problem. So you need to you need to make sure that marketing and sales are aligned, and marketing is getting feedback from sales or other people that are on the street talking to customers and prospects all day long, and they should be feeding information back to marketing and they can synthesize that into, uh, you know, content that can be consumed by outbound activity, certainly inbound uh, requests, but also sales needs to ingest that and make it, uh, make it part of their, uh, part of their dialogue. Well, to your point with Bill and Tim, you know, and social selling and, you know, and nurturing and things like that is, you're, you're continuing to build trust and you need that information just as much as marketing does. You're kind of like, you know, in the middle of marketing and sales, right? Um, kind of like a hybrid, but, you know, any kind of outreach you do is still part of trust building, right? And that's how you, um, you know, the deal, like, you know, LinkedIn, I mean, um, you know, they, you always see like, don't sell, but we are selling, but we're, we're kind of strategically selling by building trust. I don't know, Tim, you want to talk more well, about I think the outreach your plan? Point of view, so yeah, so if you're if you're marketing people are producing really good blog contents that are meant for a blog, really what you want to read you repurpose that for where it's going to get the most traction using social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, wherever your ICP is. Uh, but the other interesting thing you can do is instead of just relying on Paul doing his 
you know, marketing campaigns through email is you can build your own email sequences to your customers and your prospects and use the case studies, use the quotes, use the point of view to get in front of your, you know, in front of your customer off of social media. But then you can also use it for social media. You can take the blog post and some point of view and someone has a, a post that's relevant. You can take some of the ideas from that and use that as a comment on their, on their post to get them to engage with you. So don't underestimate the fact that, you know, if you're big enough to have a marketing department and content as a sales rep, you want to steal that and repurpose that in your, in your own outbound approaches as well. Right. And, and even as far as the cold calling, I mean, I've worked with a lot of companies, a lot of startup companies where uh, the, the need wasn't really there. And as we do outreach, we'd be asking them how they're currently handling certain situations and start the discussion around that, which would at least get them interested or thinking about it, uh, even though it might not have been something that, that they had uh, uh, been, you know, actively looking for. So having those discussions, you know, with, uh, uh, with potential prospects, once you've carved out who, you know, that target market is and, you know, um, the types of companies that you're looking to go after, um, those kind of discussions can open the doors and get them thinking about those, um, um, those types of things. Well, to your point, I and mean, there's no reason why, you know, people don't think about this as much, but, you know, if you are reaching out to people and their ICPs and you're having conversations, say, hey, they may not be ready to do a demo yet or anything, but share them the e-guide. You're something you might be interested in and, yep. you know, take a look and uh, you might... Uh, find something of value there, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, and I know when we were prepping for this on Friday, uh, Bill had made a comment around, you know, what happens if maybe that decision maker just doesn't want to work with you or that's not a priority or they want to do it in house and that person leaves. Now you have the opportunity to sell to someone else or you might have a decision maker that would love to work with you, but they can't. And then they leave and, and you know, Bill finds out that they went to another company and all of a sudden they're a prospect. So, you know, don't underestimate the ad, adding value to someone that maybe isn't ready to buy or can't buy today um, because they may be able to buy in the future. And you're right. That's where the um, we, we've seen it both ways where, as you said, somebody's working for a company and leaves, goes to another one, picked them up and LinkedIn at the new company and called them there and they wanted to do business uh, prior to us or they've been an imp uh, impediment to us. And that's why we never give up on if they're a good prospect company. Uh, a lot of times that turnover works to our advantage where we'll be calling for a uh, number of months and finally that individual is no longer there and there's a new person that's, uh, um, that's now responsible for those decisions within the organization. Let me ask you this, Tim, um, since we're talking about LinkedIn a little bit, um, you know, and new jobs and people not there. I know, you know, sales navigator is important and maybe some companies don't see that. You might want to talk about that, but I love the uh, option of, in case people don't know, that you can target people with new jobs, like when, what's it, the last 90 days or something? Because those people are always looking for something fresh and new, right? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so the, the easiest way, if you don't have sales navigator, is you'll get alerts in your feed about congratulating someone on their new position, right? So the easiest way to do that is I generally will do like a heart or a love instead of just a like, right? So you stand out a little bit and then comment something on that. Um, and then once that's done, then I'll send them a direct message congratulating them, you know, on the role, on their promotion, on the new job, you know, whatever it is, personalize it, 
um, you know, make it your own and relate, you know, relate that to the new person. At that point, you've got them within the first day, probably of their role. So they're kind of overwhelmed. So then you want to follow up with them right after a week or a couple months, right? After they've kind of settled into their new role. Now, if you have sales navigator, that's where you can really identify that they've changed roles in the last three months, 90 days, and then you can reach out to, uh, to all those people. So it's a really powerful tool. And then on sales navigator, you can also see if they're looking at your profile as well, right? So if I go and congratulate you on your new role, and I see that you've gone and viewed my profile, uh, that, that potentially is another buying sign. Do you recommend, I mean, again, just because of uh, we're recording here, do you recommend like for um, finding people, you know, maybe a, like a new job is kind of a clue that that might be evaluating things anyway, right? Um, to um, connect with them first versus an in-mail, which you're not connected to. Um, I know people might have questions on that. but Yeah, so my recommendation is to follow them, ring their bell, and then if they're making posts, on LinkedIn, comment on their post. If they're commenting on other people's posts, comment on their post. Um, if they're dormant and they're just not publicly active, um, then I would recommend sending them a, a personalized invite, something unique or insightful that you found from their profile um, and then connect with them. The thing that I would not recommend is connecting and pitching. Um, even if you wanna send someone an email, you can send them an email, but you gotta leave the value, right? Is there something like a lead, you know, Paul's got all these lead magnets. Is there, is there a thing that he's created that he can share with you that would be valuable to you? That's not a sales pitch, right? So give them something valuable. Um, that's, that's how I would, I would approach that. A lot of people just connect and they immediately sell and you're just wasting a lot of your energy doing it, doing that way. Yeah. Good point. So uh, once we've, identified a prospect and have qualified them for, um, you know, pursuit, let's say, and we've decided that they're worthy of dedicating resources and time and energy, et cetera, to try to get them to, uh, you know, appreciate what we can do as a service or a product and ultimately conclude with a contract or a commercial arrangement. Uh, the, uh, I'm associated with a company that has done some, uh, surveys of small to medium-sized companies and, and, and try to solicit what are some of the top problems that SMBs are dealing with relative to sales. And there were four general areas that kind of bubbled to the top. The, the, the top one was struggling with sales methodology, which we've talked about a, a bit here. But you know, once, you've, once you've acquired a new opportunity or a new, new lead and have qualified it through SQL, um, you know, how do you manage that sales process? And then ultimately, you know, ultimately to, to closure. So that was the top one, struggling with sales methodology. Number two was uh, tied with uh, sales strategy and, and sales analysis. And, and fourth was, was sales organization. So, so just to go back to the top one, um, you know, my, my view of that would be, you know, one, we talked about this a little bit earlier, is make sure you've got an ICP. If you, if you don't, you know, certainly establish your ideal customer profile so that all your marketing and outbound and inbound uh, lead generation is geared around making sure that you're identifying those, those key customer profiles that you're looking for. But once you've done that, um, my recommendation would be to also look at 
uh, on your target audience, what is the buying process? A lot of times we talk about the sales process and that's important, but you need to map that into what the buying process is. And that might be, you know, changing from uh, different verticals that you service to certainly different companies have their own uh, buying processes. So understanding that buying process and then mapping your sales process into that is critically important. And, and along those lines, I'd say there's, there's three key elements. If you, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different methodologies out there and they're all good. Um, if you don't have a methodology, pick one. Uh, but um, I, I, in my mind, they boil down to maybe three general elements. One, establish, uh, establish a, uh, a uh, critical compelling event that the customer is agreeing to share with you. What's causing them to make a decision from a business perspective? What is that compelling event that they need to take some action against that's going to improve their business? And then what is the sequence of events that will lead up to that, uh, that compelling event that they need to, they, they need to uh, execute on their side and then as you as a potential vendor need to execute on your side. So you've got a roadmap, if you will, from now until that compelling event that they're gonna make a decision by. And then finally, and we've talked about it you know, a bit uh, already, that what is your unique value? And this is, this is something that sometimes gets lost in, in just the general conversation around why, why a company might be taking an action. What's their intent as to why they're hitting your website? Well, they have some idea that they need to you know, execute on, but what is it that you're going to bring to the table that's unique as opposed to all their other alternatives that they might choose from? that creates incremental value. So you know, there's three questions that you, know, that you might wanna think about trying to get your prospect to answer for you. Don't necessarily ask them these questions, but in your conversations, you might wanna say, you might want to uh, elicit from them, why do something? So what's, what's the purpose of this particular project? Uh, why do this project now? So what's the sense of urgency? What's a compelling event? And why do it with us? You know, what's what's the unique value that you bring to the table that would cause your prospect to, uh, you know, to well, do business with you? No, totally. And, and, you know, that's where it goes back to, you know, website optimization, messaging, you know, everything we're doing is, a, a you know, even every email, every phone call, whatever it is, that's a clue that we're giving them, you know, that mm -hmm. uh, reminds them that, you know, maybe I should eventually do business with this company, right? And, you know, and, you know, when you talk about like the websites and things like that and messaging and like, and to your point, John, about, you know, the buyer personas, right? Because that's how we start in the first place, you know, with your ICP slash buyer persona, you know, it's a marketing and sales thing, but it's, it's a point though is pain, right? What are the pains that the typical company we're targeting have and how do we solve those pains? Right. And, and then why, choose us to solve those pains right mm -hmm. so again you have to really be specific on that because that's how you that's how bill has to do his job that's how tim has to do his job that's how john has you know we're all have to be all on the same page about the the what the why and the why us sure sure and our biggest competition in sales is always the status quo right them either doing nothing no. or staying with the current solution um so you know so exactly you know why why should they do something and what's going to compel them to do something sooner than later um so you know i mean if you can get to that point 
then it's a matter of differentiation from uh, from that point on. But uh, yeah, I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tim. Yeah, so I think the challenge in you know today's environment, I would say like January on, is you know the economic and the monetary numbers is really shifted right before people are willing to spend money to try things and maybe do do experimental stuff and and now they don't right so you're seeing a lot of of activity on like social media and just talking to people at least in my experience with my clients that you know it's becoming an economic do i have the money and if i really going to spend a dollar on the solution or the service you're offering it's it's going to be a trade-off right so before silicon valley bank everyone's flush with clash everyone's paying stuff you're a SaaS provider today, your investors are telling you to get paying clients, not just, you know, end users. And and the other thing besides that is people are just delaying decisions. So there's a lot of great methodologies out there, obviously, but, you know, simple things like confirming they're going to be on the next meeting, right? Like get that verbal mental commitment from them that they're going to they're going to take the next call. You know, all of that kind of pre-closing isn't just closing the final sale, it's getting them to commit to the next step, that we're all in alignment on, you know, what the true need is, what matters to you personally, your organization, you know, your role within that organization, our relationship, you know, what what really is important to you, Mr. Customer, Mr. Prospect, and are we agreeing that we're aligned on those things? And get those little baby steps of commitment will make your life a lot easier. And it's so much more important now when there's just not as many sales opportunities out there uh, to make sure that you're really qualifying the lead that it's real for you and it's real you can add real value to your prospect or you're all just wasting time yeah you you tim you you brought up some great points and and those those milestones along the way are critical um and and getting the agreement from the prospect that this in fact is the sequence of events that needs to take place for us to make a decision by x date you know that needs to that needs to come from the prospect. It can't be you as the as the vendor saying it. it. Has to come from them, and they have to agree to it, so that and inevitably it happens. You know there's a missed milestone. Something happens. Somebody's on vacation, gets sick, you know whatever, um, and so we miss a milestone. So now you've got a document that you can point to in collaboration with your you know with your prospect that says. Hey, we were supposed to be at, at this point last Monday or a week off. How do we catch up to make sure that we can still maintain our commitment to conclude this process by, by, the, uh, uh, by the date that we've agreed to? So you've got a roadmap that you can come back to. Sometimes it's left to be just a verbal conversation and then you've got nothing to refer to as a, as a document. So it, it really helps to, uh, to get that agreement from the, uh, from the prospect. All right. Then can I um, let me t anything else on the topic? Because I have something else I want to throw in here. Yeah, sure. Which is, um, you know, SaaS business. You know, we're so used to um, different ways of selling in the old school of software and tech, but um, this is today, right? And SaaS business is left and right. And, you know, where the lead magnet fits in, I think it's still problem solving, right? But it's, you know, as you know, it's a different kind of um business model right you know with you know with a lead magnet it's just a trial when you think about it right because you have names that have clues that there's a business problem and they found a tool right and decide to play with it or something right and 
you know, what's the deal there is, is this enough to, should I change what I already have? Or do I just keep, like you said, complacency, keep it because I just was going to play. But um, I use that in a nice way. But, you know, we all do those kinds of things. We try different things and all of a sudden we got, you know, it may not be right for us. But um, I guess the, the point is anybody who signs up for something, you know, means that and there's a potential enterprise sale for it or, or like company wide that they're just they might be been tasked to say, go find a. Uh, a new BI tool or a CRM tool or something like that, because we just want to see what's out there, which also means that they have an issue there with their current solution. Right. So, you know, I wouldn't, you know, for the, you know, for the SaaS type company, you know, you know it's a big thing, right. To um, try to segue somebody from trial to buyer. Right. And that's, a, I guess it's a business decision, whether, a SaaS product should be a trial or just a straight demo. I mean, any, anybody thoughts on that? So I'll, I'll chime in. Um, yeah, yeah, I've seen all, all versions of the above, right? There's, there's debate on when to do the demo as an example, um, or should I put a demo on my website so that people can just log in and click and, and you know, get a taste of whatever it is I'm, I'm offering. Uh, or do I bake into my agreement, you know, some trial period up front where it's free or, you know, low, low cost, et cetera. I guess in, in my mind, ideally, you know, each, each situation is going to be different. So there's not necessarily one size fits all. But in my, uh, in my opinion, if you can get to a point where you are demonstrating uh, uniquely to that, cust to that prospect, your capabilities, not showing a generic demo, but showing a demo that is specific to that company, you know, ideally that's where you want to get to because that shows that you've understood, you know, the conversations that you've had up to that point, you understand their, their specific pain points. You can put things in the demo that speak directly to the decision makers that are hopefully on the, on the, uh, in the meeting and it will differentiate yourself from the other guy that's just showing general stuff. So that's, you know, can you always get to that point? Maybe not always, but that's, I think, where you want to try to get to is get to that bespoke yeah. demo on that specific um, opportunity. You know, it's almost, it almost becomes a, uh, I'm sorry, it almost becomes like a, almost like a double demo, right? Because the first set is, asking questions we all get emails when we sign up for things you know with clarifications on the need right so they can hope you know hone the demo to their business needs right you know whether it's online forms or or the follow-up questions or you know or bill's team makes calls to clarify things too but um but the more personal personalized the demo is the higher success rate obviously right right so so so, so six short. months ago right if you were doing a enterprise sale, obviously you could do a custom demo. If your software was very complex, you never would want to do a free trial, right? Because it's all about that onboarding experience. If your product is straightforward and easy to implement, then it's all about good customer success, all of that stuff on the back end once they sign up to make sure that they, you know, and like in my word at Oracle, you know, you give them free stuff, but you got to get them to consume the free stuff, right? So. But now with tools like artificial intelligence, whether it's video or text or all these different technologies out there, now you can make really 
personalized custom demos. You can get a lot of value with chatbots on helping them get up to speed on the on the free trial. So it, it's just a game changer in the last three to six months on what AI is capable of doing to let you go and sell a complex product is do it yourself, right? And do the free trial or do custom demos that you can then you know, use AI to customize the demo that you send out to your prospects. So mm-hmm. it's completely different world now than how I would have you know, answered that question six months ago. That's a yeah. great point. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're not listening, looking at AI, I would I'd spend more time on on AI in the next you know, couple of weeks, couple of months to yeah. get up to speed on that. In fact, we're not even here. It's AI doing our presentation right now. So. <laughs> it could have been. Could be right, you know. You um, could, you know, that's, oh, a, that's probably a whole separate uh, webinar for us. Well, I know <laughs> it'd be fun, right? I'm, so I'm if you sure. want that, oh, all right, I'm going to mute myself. Uh, has anybody on this call experimented with AI at all? Just curious. You can put in chat if you like. If you play with ChatGPT and did messaging with it, and it's okay. We won't tell. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it is powerful, but, you know, the point is it's research, you know, you still have to tweak it, customize it and, and have your voice for the most part. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the the bottom line is, you know, use it, leverage it. It's it's incredible uh, to accelerate and, uh, uh, you know, as Tim pointed out, uh, customize, but don't dismiss keeping human intervention as part of the process, you still yeah. need to, you know, do your, do your checks on it. George says chat GPT is his best friend, you know, yeah. that's good. And and that's a, a good point. I mean, a lot of times when we'll have an initial conversation with somebody, it takes different turns depending upon, you know, uh, the direction that they want to go. Um, and, uh, you know, you've just got to be able to stay with that flow of conversation. Um, uh, to, you know, eventually get them back around to where you want them to be. But, uh, but too many people, um, when they would call up would just be, uh, too focused on just kind of hammering them down. And I think, you know, uh, we always told our clients that, you know, we're, we're building a relationship for you. And that starts with, you know, an initial phone call an initial discussion, um, around something. And then, you know, as, uh, as uh, Tim and John alluded to, making sure that you've got some kind of concrete follow-up activity, uh, and that uh, and then that also happens. So there's certain things that I don't know that Chat uh, Chat B, GPT or well, um, a lot of the AI products would, uh, uh, you know, would be able to to replace that human interaction. Well, it, you know, it doesn't solve everything, but there's a lot no. of uh, you know your email scripts, your research. So if you're doing research on all these customers and your boss tells you, go chase the top 5,000 customers. Like when I was at Oracle, my first accounts, I could upload my list into chat GPT and say, tell me what are the pain points that these customers are having? Okay. Based on that, tell me what email sequence I should be sending them. Now I'm sending personalized emails out to my prospects. And what would have been like one guy told me it took him 30 hours to do a a marketing newsletter. He does it in 30 minutes now because yeah, ChatGPT does a lot of research for him. It gives him a lot of the, the structure of it. Then he's going in and adding his own unique personalization to it, his unique insights, all those things. And now imagine you can really cover all of your prospective accounts, all the personas, whether it's the decision maker, the influencers, the end users, 
all of those people you can you can now touch in a personalized way using artificial intelligence and automation. Well, here's an example to your point is, uh, I mean, again, just using the tool that's out there, right? Is if you have, say, four different industries you're going after, theoretically, and you you, know, you might ask with your, with your tool tech program or whatever is, what are the, like, let's say you sell ERP system to four industries, right? You know, so you might say, what are the problems with ERP in the manufacturing industry versus the hospitality industry or something else, right? You know, you might have different answers. I don't know, because it might be researching, you know, how it fits. You know, I know there's some generic stuff, but maybe there's some, at least part of that buyer persona. I mean, it can support what you already know about customers, but it might provide some other feeder content say oh we should mention you know this topic or this topic and let's spell that out further again it's using the word clue to close well chat gbt provides can provide clues as well to um based on research that it does on um pain points and things like that and you know it could give you you know based on that we'll go back in and say well give me now five different good white paper titles that might attract these people in your brainstorming of what's the most compelling title. So yeah, I mean, we're like, Hey, this is my, these are, you know, and we're not doing it here, but a lot of my video calls, I record it and AI summarizes it. So now I have a nice summary and I use, you know, Bant and I know John and, uh, you know, probably some people on this call are familiar with it. And I say, look, put that rate, that, that call right into my CRM and it, it determines what the budget is. It puts it in the budget field of my CRM. Then I also get a nice summary email that I can send out to my prospect um, as a follow-up to that meeting. That's all artificial intelligence. It's all note-taking. It's summarizing. It's putting it in the right buckets. Um, what questions? Hey, here's all my notes from my meeting. What questions should I be asking to you know, figure out what the pain is or are there things that I'm missing about my discovery process? You know, AI can give you some different insights into that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're almost done our presentation today. Um, it's about, uh, we only have like uh, 10 more minutes. Um, does uh, does anybody have anything else to add in before we ask for a Q&A? Sorry for the uh, fire alarm, by the way. Oh, is that what that way? didn't hear it, so. Um, okay. That's okay. Well, you're on, fire, you're on fire anyway, Tim, so. <laughs> but, um, um, well, Again, you know, I guess in summary of this whole topic, you know, no matter what business you're in, tech, whatever, is um, it's always, you know, more compelling when to a salespeople when they know their prospects have business issues. It's a better conversation. It's a better um, way to build trust because, you know, you're, you know, people have valuable time. But if you could talk to companies who already have that clue, you know, your closing rates go up, you're spending more time with those people, you're engaging them better. And um, at the end of the day, you grow more revenue, you know, because um, you're, you're spending more time with companies that have that intent. So that's really why we're talking about, you know, clue to close, because, you know, it, it beats, uh, um, again, it's it just helps the whole process when you're dealing with companies who already have identified and raised their hand that, um, we're thinking about something in the company. Are we ready to buy yet now? No, that's why that's what marketing sales is all about. But at least it you know narrows the field to these potentials. So, but I wanted to um, you know thank uh, the people here on the call, Bill, Tim, and John, for um, having an engaging sure. conversation and um, you know on this topic. And um, what I'm going to do is um, does anybody have any questions? Because I have a closing slide which I have to figure out. Anybody have any questions at all? 
I'm going to share the screen. Okay. So um, if anybody has any questions at all, you know, or wants to engage with any of us, you know, whether it's one, two, three, or four, all four of us, um, you know, send me an email here, um, you know, mentioning that you're on our call and, um, or whatever, and, you know, we'll talk about your needs and then, you know, bring in the right people to talk about, you know, lead and sales generation as one, social selling, um, you know, what everybody does, we all have a critical part of the whole sales funnel and optimizing it. And if you're optimized, you know, sales without marketing, you're only doing half the job. And the same thing with social selling and, you know, and engagement that Bill does, you, you know, everything has to be top notch or else it's just your whole system's just not going to be optimized. And so keep that in mind that everything has to be optimized and um, in order to drive efficient revenue and ROI. So that's how you contact me. Uh, we'll stop sharing now. Great. So anyway, um, that's it. So thanks for joining. Um, you guys can hang on and I will end the broadcast. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.